Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Are we good? I mean, it's almost lunchtime. You got, you got something to be thankful for. I've said this. I've only got four jokes, so I'm going to tell you one of my four, okay? When I was growing up, my dad told me that there's three hard things to do in life. One is to climb a wall that's leaning towards you, right? That's, t- that's difficult. The second hard thing to do in life is to kiss a girl that's leaning away from you, all right? I've, I've figured out how to do that, though, so I've, I figured out that one. The third thing to, that's really difficult to do is to preach to people waiting to eat, and I've still not figured out how to do that well. So, uh, you know, you're in for a treat today. We're going we're gonna to talk out of God's Word today about a, a couple of uh, really good thoughts uh, in this season that we find ourselves in. But man, what a great week we had last week. Just a really special time to dedicate our worship center here. And uh, last week, we just took a few minutes just to uh, kind of set aside that day to, to celebrate God and His faithfulness and graciousness towards us uh, for this new space, but also to celebrate you. Uh, you have given your time and your resources financially to help create more space so that we can serve more people here at Generations Church. And so if you were here in person or you were here online last week, I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, I just loved the day. I was kind of thinking all week long about all that we were able to do to celebrate uh, that. And just the, the video, I had a lot of people talking about the video, just all the different images from the eight years or so that we've been in existence and the different places that we've met. And just a really special day. And so I'm thankful for that. It's also a really cool season because we've opened up our G-Kids environment. So we did that a few weeks ago. So we've got G-Kids open. Uh, but this past Wednesday night, they started preparing for Christmas. I mean, that's crazy to me. Until this last week, I saw that we only have 10 Fridays until Christmas. And so if you are still trying to figure out what you're going to get me, I have an Amazon wish list. If you'll give me your email address, I I will forward that to you. You need to wake up, folks. You need to get with it today. Listen, if you'll get with me, I'll get you to lunch on time. But if not, I'm just going to circle this thing for a little while and we'll all eat dinner together, all right? But uh, hey, it is, it's just a great time. There's a lot of great things happening. But we do find ourselves in a season right now that is uh, just, it's just crazy. Uh, over the last seven months or so, I have been grieved not about issues specifically. I mean, there's for sure been issues or things that have grieved me. But I think the thing that has grieved me the most is just the contentiousness and the divisiveness that has existed uh, in our world, for sure, in our local community, for sure, but even in the church. And it, it's a lot of different things, right? I mean, here's what I, I want you to know. I recognize that you and I probably don't agree on every issue. I, I recognize that, and, and that's okay. I, I don't necessarily think we're meant to be robots and agree on every single decision and every single thing, but I have been grieved uh, about this idea of divisiveness, and, and so that's really why we landed where we are today, to spend two weeks as we lead towards the election, which we're going to talk about again, uh, some today and a lot more next week, as we lead towards this election season that we find ourselves in. Here's what you need to know. Over these two weeks, I do not take lightly what I'm about to do. I never take it lightly. When I, when I stand before you to preach God's word, I'm not just standing up here to give you my opinion. I'm not just trying to tell you, you know, here's what I think. I really am trying to take us to God's word and for us together to journey through what God may be saying to us about any specific topic that I believe the Lord's laid on my heart or our team's heart for this season of time for our church. And so we do that every single time that we gather. And I never take that for granted and I never take it lightly. But I, I will tell you that this two-week series of Kingdom for me, has been a very weighty thing. I've wrestled with it, uh, maybe more than I have just about anything else I've preached in recent weeks and months. And here's the reason why. 
Because over the last seven months or so, I have watched as relationships have been destroyed. I've watched as influence in individual people has been destroyed because of the way that they approach some of the things that are taking place around us. It doesn't mean that those things are not serious. They are very serious. But about seven months ago or so, we were really introduced to this idea of COVID, coronavirus, and its impact on our community and our nation and our world. And we started to understand some of the things, but there was a lot more that we didn't understand. And so we, we started to gather information and hear information and people presented things to us and decisions had to be made about organizations, the businesses, schools, churches, all of these things. And we tried to figure out how do we navigate that. And it was almost immediately that there became two extreme opinions, Now, maybe you found yourself in the middle, but perhaps you would agree that it was like almost immediately there became one of two thoughts that you had to adhere to. People wanted you to buy into one of these two things. This is very serious. It's very dangerous. You need to be aware. You need to protect yourself and protect. And it's like, here's the numbers and here's the data and here's the. And so that was one camp. And the other camp almost took the approach of this is exactly like every other virus, every other thing. This is how humanity works. This is how all of this happens. And so we were kind of called upon to choose a side. And it was divisive. I mean, it didn't just stop seven months ago. It continues today. But everybody was saying, what do you think? What do you think? What do you do with this? Do you do mass? Do you do no mass? What do you believe about this? What do you do? I mean, I'm telling you, it was crazy. And you know that because you've experienced it. You've walked through it. It's still there. We closed the church for a while. We were trying to figure out when to open back up the church. And the divisiveness, even within the church, not just ours, global church, was are you going to open the church by faith or have you bought into the agenda of those who want you to close the church? It's like, man, you got to choose an extreme side. Then almost immediately coming on the heels of our exposure to to what was happening around us with the coronavirus in our world, it was like then the the tension of racial divide kind of came to the forefront again. It had been there. It kind of been, you know, it would come in and out of focus and it would be right there under the surface. And so almost immediately coming on the heels of some of that new information, it was like protests and riots and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And, and we started to see police and, and, and brutality and, and good cops and bad cops and people and protests and all of the, and it were burning things. And it was like, you got to choose a side. Are you for us or are you against us? Are you for this or, or against this? And, and it was almost like if you found yourself in the middle, you're like, well, I like a little, I believe this, I, I agree with this, but I just, I just don't know where to go. I don't know what to believe and what to think. And, and can I pull a little bit from each of those to where I'm standing right now? And then coming on the heels of some of that and, and really kind of an undercurrent of all of that was the political system that we have here in our country. And we got a little more clarity about the Democratic candidate, and so we started to see who was running against one another through the early part of this year, kind of end of last year, early part of this year, the primary season, and moving into the summer. And so then we started to see politics take shape in the narrative of our country. And it's not just unique to our country, but in the world at large, this is happening. But in our context, we started to see Republicans versus Democrats. It was Trump versus Biden. And man, it became, again, very divisive. You've got to pick a side. You've got to agree about this, disagree about this. You can't say this. You can't think this. You can't believe this. And so even in the church, what happened is we were called upon to choose one of two extremes. I mean, I, and, I, and I didn't say this in the first service. It was in my notes, and, and I just kind of skipped over it. But I will tell you that over the last seven months, not just am I grieved about divisiveness, I, I'm grieved so much about how we have lost our ability to be in relationship with people that we disagree with. We, we've just lost our ability. 
to have conversation and to believe the best about people. We so often give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and at the same time, we assume the worst about other people. I'll give you a great example. You're in traffic. You get cut off by someone else. That low down, rotten, no good. He's just a terrible driver. You cut someone off. It's because you're in a hurry. You're just trying to get somewhere, right? But they cut you off. You assume the worst about their motives. That's what's happened around every one of these issues and even other issues that are before us right now. And it's happening even in the church. We have become so divided about everything that's taking place around us. And here's what you need to know about these next two weeks, today and next week. I know I'm going to say something that upsets you, offends you. I never do that intentionally. I'm not that kind of preacher. I've been around preachers that they like to say things just to get under your skin and kind of make, uh, that's not me. I just wanna, I wanna present God's word. I wanna filter it through what God's speaking to me. But I know I'm gonna say things because of the issues that we're gonna tackle here that may offend you and bother you. But I'm the guy who's not just cutting you off or doing something because I'm a terrible person. I love you, and I hope you love me, and I hope you still love me a week and a half from now or a week from now when we finish this thing, but I believe that if we will open God's word, we will see a little more about what we are called to do and be in this season, the division that is taking place around us and the division perhaps that we are even a part of is so contrary to what Jesus Christ himself desired for us. In John chapter 17, he prayed a prayer about us and for us of what he was asking the Father to do in us. This is what he says in John 17, beginning in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus was praying for unity. The problem about a prayer like that is it only lasts until you get with someone else. Because now when there's two of you, there's at least four different opinions, right? I mean, you get into a conversation and you've got all of these different opinions about whatever it is that you're talking about. And so disagreement happens. Even throughout scripture, you see disagreement among brothers and sisters in Christ. Acts chapter 15 is a great example. It was the Jerusalem council. They are disagreeing about what it takes to be saved. They're trying to figure out how the Jew and the Gentile come together around faith and, and the law. And, and so there's disagreement. And so they hash it out and some disagree and they walk away. But others of them figure out how to really dig down into conversation rooted in disagreement to find unity around what it means to follow after Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 9 and several other places in the book of Acts, and we see it in a couple of scattered throughout the letters of the New Testament, we see that Paul and Barnabas kind of got upset with one another about John Mark's role in expanding the ministry that they were a part of. They disagreed, but they still had unity around their mission. Even as they separated, they stayed on mission. And I believe that if you and I really, really look deep into what's taking place, we could pause for just a second and push back enough to go, listen, I love you. I may disagree with you about this issue or that issue or this thing or that thing. So let's keep talking about it. But we are going to be united around the non-negotiables. We're going to be united around the mission that God has called us 
too. One of the most famous quotes related to this, which is often attributed to St. Augustine, it says this. It says, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. In essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. What it requires of us is to actually determine what are the essentials. What are the non-negotiables? If you really boil it down, now everything feels important right now. Everything feels like a non-negotiable. But the reality is if you're screaming about everything, you're screaming about nothing. It's all the same volume. When you prioritize everything, you've actually prioritized nothing. And so you have to determine which of the things that I am passionate about are closed-handed. They are in there, I'll fight you to the death because they actually are non-negotiables. They actually are essentials to my life, to my faith, to my home, to my family, to my whatever it is that God's calling me to. They're, they're with a closed hand. I will, I will fight for these things. And which of those things, even that I'm passionate about, are open-handed? I can actually converse. I can actually take on other perspectives and try to understand it and try to believe maybe even differently. It doesn't mean that I was in error. It just means that maybe I didn't understand everything that I needed to understand. And so I've got to determine in my life which of those things are closed-handed and which of those things are open-handed. Not everything can be closed-handed. Not everything can be. You have to determine that. And I would encourage you to wrestle with that and really seek that out. And so if Jesus was praying for unity for us, He was praying that we wouldn't be divided as followers of Jesus Christ. And I recognize that not everybody in the room, not everybody watching online is a follower of Christ today. Then we have to say, well, if I am a follower of Christ, or maybe even if I'm searching for or seeking out a relationship with Jesus Christ, what is it that I should focus on? What are those non-negotiables? What are those closed-handed things that I have to build my life around? This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, I'm paraphrasing the second half, and everything else will take care of itself. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worry for itself. You don't have to worry about what you would eat or drink. Like if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his right standing before God, right relationship before him, if you seek those things, that is the most important thing, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, and we're going to define it a little bit here in just a second, the kingdom of God is this really unique thing. I don't want to call it weird because that would undermine it. I don't mean it that way. I mean weird in in that it's unique. It's unique in that it is this now but not yet reality, right? It's now. You can have relationship with God. The story of God has been and is being written in and through our lives and through the earth, but it is not yet in that it is not fully realized in the way that we read through the scriptures, we read through the text, and we understand the way that the kingdom that God has, has written that story. And so it's a now, but not yet. It's like when, when Corey got pregnant, we felt immediately like parents. We had our child and we're talking and, and singing and praying and dreaming and believing, but there's this not yet piece because we're also waiting and anticipating the arrival, the birth of that child. So there's a now, but not yet reality. And we're gonna unpack this a little bit more again next week, but here's what I mean when I'm talking about the kingdom of God. In its simplest defined form, I am talking about the ultimate rule and authority of Jesus Christ on the earth. The ultimate rule and authority of Jesus Christ on the earth. And so we believe that there is a now but not yet reality to that idea of the kingdom of God. And it is a unique idea that even the disciples themselves were struggling with. The kingdom of God is something that that John the Baptist referenced when Jesus was coming to him to be baptized in water. Jesus himself referenced it a number of times. We're going to read some of those in a minute. The Old Testament prophets referenced it. The New Testament writings in the early church began to reference this coming kingdom 
And the now but not yet tension is something that they were wrestling with even as they were standing there in relationship with the physical bodily form of Jesus himself. Because they were standing there, and I love this, this is not on, uh, not on the screen today, but in Acts chapter 1, the disciples, they had walked with Jesus for three years. They had seen him crucified as he prophesied, proclaimed that he would. He, he would. he would die on the cross. He would be buried in the tomb. He would be resurrected, which they had experienced. He's now appeared to them after his death. You would think these are guys that have now clued in to the fact that Jesus knew what he was talking about. He has a plan. He's, he's enacting that plan. And so they've like, I got it. I figured it out. And this is what they say to him in Acts chapter 1. They say, okay, well, is now the time that you're going to establish your kingdom on the earth? Is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is, is now the time that you're kind of rise in power? Like we're under the oppression of Rome. So is, is now the time that we overthrow Rome and you take your rightful place on the throne? And like, they still did not understand the now, but not yet. And Jesus looked at them and said, hey, it's not for you to know the time, the hour, the, t- the day, the place. It's not for you to fully understand all that is taking place in the now, but not yet. God, the Father, is enacting this plan. He's writing this story, and it comes to pass as he wills it to be. It's the kingdom of God. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, that we are in pursuit of this kingdom. We are in pursuit of, of the rule and the reign, the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ on the earth. It's now. We believe it. But it's also not yet. We anticipate. It's coming as it takes place. Jesus himself referenced this also in Matthew chapter 6, earlier in the chapter, We just read from verse 33. This is what he says as he's teaching us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right up front, he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's happening in heaven, your kingdom, your rule, your reign, your will being done in heaven, let that happen on the earth. That's what we pray. We're praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, established here in the earth. That's something that we can be unified around. We can really live out the prayer of Jesus to say we want to be one around that idea. That we want the kingdom and the will of God to be accomplished on the earth just as it is in heaven. We, we, we hold that to be a non-negotiable. That this is what God is doing in the earth. And yet, believing that requires me to recognize that I have dual citizenship. Recently, I took a trip out of the country And my previous passport had expired, and so I had to submit an application to get a passport. And when I got that passport, it has the stamp, the seal of the United States right on it, so that if I travel anywhere in the the world, I carry with me paperwork that says, hey, I am a citizen of the United States, and I should be treated as one. Now, not everybody in the world loves the United States. Not everyone in the world you know, says that we have protection. And so you, you have to be wise and careful. And there are men and women that are fighting in some of those places or other places in the world or they have to defend our rights and freedoms to be citizens of the United States and those things that we hold true. But it says, hey, I'm, I'm a citizen of the United States. And I value my citizenship. 
I, I have a sense of pride about being an American. And, and I love when we sing the national anthem. And I, I love the things that bring up in me a sense of patriotism and a love for country. And I, I love it. When I first went to college, I went to college to be a lawyer. Some of you just lost respect for me. I get that. I'm so sorry. But I, I did. I, I, had a, I had a deep-rooted sense of wanting to help people, help those that couldn't help themselves. I love history and government and politics and law. I love it. And so I've been watching all the things that have taken place around us for, for months, for years. I voted every time I was eligible to vote. And I believe that you should vote. We're going to talk more about your specific responsibilities next week, but I want you to vote. I believe you have a duty to do so. Men and women have given their lives to allow us that freedom. And here's my personal, I'm going to step off of the, away from the pulpit for a second. This is Jeremy's opinion, okay? And I said this to a guy just the other night. If you don't vote, you probably don't need to give us your opinion. Like, I just think, hey, just you have the right to vote and speak into the issues. But if not, like, just, just take a step back and let other people who have chosen to participate, participate in the conversation. All right, I'm off my soapbox. All right, so you need to vote. But beyond that, I recognize I have this citizenship, but I also have a dual citizenship. I am a citizen of the now but not yet kingdom of God. As a follower of Jesus Christ, in pursuit of Jesus Christ, with my life, not perfection but pursuit, which is what we say around here, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. The tension arises in my life when I get my citizenship out of order. I believe that first and foremost, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And second, all other citizenships that I hold fall in line. And I think that the tension over the last few months has arisen in that we are filtering our thoughts and ideas and priorities through our citizenship here on earth when we are not earth vessels. We are eternal vessels. We are spirit being and we're living in this earthly experience. And instead of filtering everything through that earthly experience, we should be filtering it through our citizenship as a part of the kingdom of God and let that influence all of our conversations and decisions and who we will vote for and who we won't vote for and the things that we get passionate about and the ways that people are being mistreated and how we should speak up for those who are being mistreated. That should be filtered through my citizenship in the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his right standing, and everything else falls in line after that. Seek first his kingdom. So it creates in me some filtering questions. I've been wrestling with these all week long. I told you it's kind of been weighty all week, and I started sermon prep earlier this week than I normally do, and I didn't get to preach last Sunday because Pastor Mark, my pastor, was here to preach, and so I've really had about two weeks just to kind of just let this, my wife hates this phrase, but just kind of marinate, you know? I mean, it was just kind of stirring up in me. And so these questions have been in my heart for this last week. If my priorities are right, citizenship in the kingdom of God, citizenship here on earth, my priorities are right, then, then here's some question. Do I spend more time worrying about the outcome of this election than the souls of people around me? How, how burdened am I? How grieved am I for those who are not citizens of the kingdom of God? They're not in relationship with God. They've not sought his kingdom and his righteousness and right standing with him. I mean, am I burdened? Am I grieved by that? Or am I so consumed with the earthly things, the earthly conversations, the earthly candidates, and it is important, but which one has the priority in my life? Which one has the priority? And here's the second filtering question for me. 
Can I love? Can you love? And maybe even like someone, a brother and sister in Christ, who disagrees with you about issues. Can I love someone, like someone, who may actually vote for someone different than me? Now, I recognize where we live. If I was a pastor in another community, maybe this conversation feels a little differently. But in 2016... 72% of our county voted a specific way. And I recognize that sometimes what that creates is a perception that everyone around us agrees with us. And many do. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. If If that's what you believe, if that's what you hold to, hold to it. But can I love those who are not in the same 72% as me? Or if I lived in a different community and it was 50 50? Or it was 72-28 the other way. Could I love and even like the other 50%, the other 72%? Because I believe that's what we're called to do. Here's what I know beyond any shadow of a doubt because I've talked to some of you. In this room are people who will vote for Donald Trump. In this room, there are people who will vote for Joe Biden. And both of those groups of the people that I've talked to love God equally. They love God. They're in pursuit of God. And some of you, when you hear that, you're going, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. You cannot support Joe Biden. There's no way. Not for what he stands for, the platform, the party. You can't support those things. And some of you are like, you can't support Do you listen to him? Do you follow him on Twitter? There's no way you can. Like, you can't. Equally passionate. Love God. Disagree. Can I love them? Can I like them? Can I live out the prayer of John 17 and be one with people like that? What are we called to? What are we called to? If my citizenship is in the right order, if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I believe it comes out like this in Luke chapter 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them to do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Be merciful. Love those who disagree with you. Love those who vote differently than you. Let's be unified around our citizenship in the kingdom of God. And let's find charity around those other things and passionate discussion without losing the sense of who we are 
and whose we are. Jesus said that you would be unified so that people would recognize there is something in you that sets you apart. And I'm afraid that the world is looking at the church right now and going, they just can't get along about anything. Why should we listen to them about anything? Find the essentials. Find the non-negotiables. Hold to those things steadfast. And then open our hands and find out how to live in relationship with people who do not think like we do. Who who possess a different perspective than we do. And say, God, what is it you're trying to teach me through them? And God, what are you trying to teach them through me? I was in a store this last Friday night. And over the last couple weeks, our staff, our team has really just been kind of seeking the Lord every day, God, would you open up the possibility for me to have a spiritual conversation today? Don't let me get so focused on me and what I'm doing and the church and my life and to miss that there are people that I come in contact with every single day who are just looking for you and maybe they don't even know it. And so God, would you help me to recognize those conversations when they're apparent and step right into them? So I was, I was in a store Friday night and I was, I was waiting on Corey to, to find whatever she was looking for and and so I'm just walking around through the back of the store, and this guy is like a smooth salesman. You know what I'm talking about? Like smooth salesman. Like he could sell you anything. You don't even need it. You didn't even know you needed it. You, I, I got to have that, right? He's really good. So he walks up. He was like, hey, listen, hey, who do you have as your provider for? And he, he mentions the, the, the category, the industry. And I, I just blew him off. I was like, ah, oh, we're good. We're good. We're fine. I got what I need. I know where to find it online. We're good. He's like, okay, no problem. That's fine. No big deal. He's like, I was just trying to save you some money. I was like, okay, well, you got my attention now. I like to save money. Okay, so, I mean, here's who I've got, and, you know, here's what I'm, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm thinking. And he's like, all right, let's look it up. So he takes out his iPad, and he starts pu- punching the numbers in. And while he's working, he just starts up a conversation. He's like, hey, what do you do for a living? Whew, that's a scary proposition for a preacher. <laughs> because honestly, whenever I say that, you know, one of two things happens. I get the guilt and condemnation that they feel for not being in church right now. They're like, oh yeah, man, I used to go to church. I got to get back into church. I got to, I got to, when y'all meet, I'll come visit y'all's church. You know, I get that. Or I get all their past hurts and pains about the church. Yeah, man, I just, I mean, church isn't for me. You know, just, I, I tried it. The people were, you know, hypocrites. I, I didn't, I, it's not for me. And so sometimes when I'm asked that question, like there is, there's that little bit, you know, that part of, that I'm just still trying to crucify. You know, it's like, Lord, help me with righteousness here. Like there's that little part that wants to answer it a little different way. Like I'm, just, I'm a motivational speaker one day a week, you know, or something that just doesn't give it away. Just, I just don't want to give it away, you know? So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So I was like, I'm a, I'm a pastor at a church. He just stopped what he was doing. I thought, okay, here we go. Let's go. He's like, really? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I mean, I just... I moved to the area and, you know, I mean, I, I used to go to church and I felt in my soul right there, like, this is it. This is your conversation today. And so I just paused what I was doing. I just dug in. God, whatever it is you want to do right now, whatever conversation you want to have, like, whatever you want to speak to this guy, whatever you want to speak to me, I'm open. We had a great conversation. He starts punching my information back in and we start looking at all these different things. And as a part of the conversation, he said, hey, what do you... What do you think about all this election stuff? That may be more divisive than me telling him I'm a pastor, right? I'm just, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I served some time. I can't vote. I mean, I don't know what to say. I, that's not true. I was just, I didn't know what to say. So I was, I'm just trying to find some way to get out of this. I don't even need that stuff. Here, here, just take all my device. I don't need it. So 
I was like, you know, man, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot. I said, you know, here, here's where I'm at. I said, I don't, maybe you disagree. I, you know, the Bible says that if we humble ourselves and pray and we turn from our wicked ways, that God will hear us and he will, he'll heal our, heal our land. I said, but for me, that, I don't know. I've never taken that as like a corporate prayer. Like it's in Second Chronicles. I, I, don't, I, I kind of view that as a very personal thing. So it's like if I humble myself, and I said, once I humble myself and I, I begin to pray and, and then I turn from my wicked ways, you know, like I, I still got some stuff I got to I gotta give to the Lord and kind of allow him to continue to work in me. And I, like at that point, like I think if there were enough of us that were really humbling ourselves and praying, like wanting the best for what God wanted to do in our nation and like I, if, we, if we really turn from the wickedness that exists, like I think that's where we'd start to see God work. I think it starts with me. It starts with you. I, I don't know that it's as corporate as we may. I just think it starts with me. He was like, wow, I've never thought about that. I've never, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never thought. And we just had this incredible conversation. I said, well, listen, man, I, I would love for you to come to our church. I'd love for you to come visit. He's like, I, I don't know, man. Church is not for me. I just don't think church is for me. I was like, hey, okay, then come hang out with me on Sunday mornings, and then we'll go to lunch. I'll buy your lunch. I mean, I, but I just, I just said, like, we probably, he and I probably disagree on a lot of things. But in his pursuit, maybe that he's not even aware of, of citizenship into the kingdom of God, am I going to live out the prayer of Jesus to try to find unity around the things of the kingdom? Am, am I going to love those who disagree with me that may believe some different things or vote some different? Like, am I just going to live that out? Am I going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and allow him to kind of play out the story of my life? I, I'm just going to humble myself. I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn any wickedness that exists in me back over to God. And I'll say, God, help me to keep my citizenships in the right order. And as I do, would you do what only you can do? Next week, we'll talk about voting and responsibility and all of those things. But God, help me not to buy into the divisiveness. The enemy started divisiveness in the garden. He said to Eve, did God really say? He was trying to divide her from the truth of what God said. Hebrews chapter 11 says that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's the things, it's things that are unseen. He was trying to take what she saw and pit it against what God said. Division. The news media, the social media networks that were a part. All of those people, they profit from trying to divide us. We get that, right? Their algorithms show us content that feed our bias to the things that we've already clicked on and consumed and shared and come. All of those things, news organizations profit. They benefit when they differentiate themselves from other organizations to say, you should come to us to get your information. And they make it more and more and more outlandish because it didn't get your attention unless they got your attention. They pit us against one another. And there are some very real issues. Again, we're going to dig into those next week. But the question for all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ is, where does my ultimate citizenship lie? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and allow him to have his way in every other facet of our lives. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. Nobody's looking around. A moment of reflection. 
where you might say, hey, I'm, God, I'm not sure. I want to make sure I'm doing what's right. I'm thinking the right things. So God, search my heart. Help me to humble myself and to pray and to turn wickedness over to you. And God, as you do, would you start with me in healing our land? If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I know I'm not a part of the family of God. I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. I need him to forgive my sins and to lead my life. And today I want to change that. I just want to change my citizenship. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you're watching online today, I encourage you to drop that in the comments. Let us know so we can pray for you. Follow up. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I just want to make sure I keep my citizenship in the right order. That I'm filtering all the things that I'm experiencing and seeing through my relationship with God, my citizenship in the kingdom of God. I have a sense of urgency about the souls of people around me. I just want to make sure that stays in right order. If that's you, would you just lift your hand as we pray today? Thank you so much. If you're watching online, respond to us. Let us know. God, what challenging times we live in. Challenging times. These issues can seem overwhelming. We don't know all the right answers. We just do the best that we can. And so God, I pray today for all of us not to have the sense of being overwhelmed, but to have the sense of peace that comes from you. You said in this world we would have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So God, would you help us to recognize that and have a sense of peace that you're in control. God, I pray for every person now that's responded to acknowledge their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life, forgive their sins, lead and guide them from this point forward, I pray, God. We celebrate with heaven for the decision that's being made right now as they change their eternity, change their relationship with you, and God continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling in their hearts as they determine all the things that they need to give over to you now. God, that act of sanctification, that process of you cleansing and purifying their hearts. God, we thank you for salvation. It's this moment of decision. And God, I pray for every person that lifted their hand and responded online today to say, I want to make sure my citizenship in the kingdom of God is in the right order. I'm processing and filtering things correctly through my relationship with Jesus Christ. God, help us to do so. God, this week, give us grace. Help us to see people the way that you see them. For some of us, maybe we need to cut off social media. Maybe we need to consume a little less content and news. And maybe we just need to turn inward and we need to humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, God. And would you begin healing our land in us? God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you will do. And over these next seven days, prepare our hearts for what you want to speak to us next Sunday. And God, prepare our hearts for what you're going to do over the next few weeks in our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.